three, two, one. Happy New Year! Um, hope you guys had a great Christmas time. That's right. I hope you didn't kill anyone. And all your, you got all your heart's desires. Oh my, I hope you have a good year this year. Like, Absolutely. And everyone mm. kept saying they were feeling 2020. I think 2022 is going to be our year. I, I think feel so it. too. Hope all your hopes and dreams come true or are accomplished this year. I hope to buy a house finally or be in the house already. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> I think I will go crazy. I have we got some stories. Yes, I have the black eyed kids for today. Mm, and that's a creepy one. It's creepy. I'm excited to tell you all about it. And I'm not really doing creepy this time. I'm doing an oldie but a goodie, I, I guess, in some eyes. I'm doing Bigfoot. Bigfoot. We're going we to check out some Bigfoot. You either believe or you don't believe. And As Shakespeare I'm, said, and so to be or not to be, it's believe, believe or, or not, not to believe. believe. And I think I'm riding the fence right now. I'm just walking on the fence, hoping not to fall one way or the <laughs> other yet. We're good skeptics when it comes to Bigfoot. I guess if I saw some guy or something Thing. that looked like that, maybe I will believe. My grandpa is a believer in Bigfoot. He is. I, depends on the day. I don't know if I believe or if I don't believe. Yeah. Mm, I've got, yeah. Because some of the spottings are just... Ridiculous. They're, they're not great. <laughs> they're not helping their case at all. No, we'll talk about some of them. So, I hope you guys are ready. Let's... Let's let's go. La trays up, seats in the upright position. We, we, we on this plane. <laughs> We're going to cruise. Keep your hands and arms inside what the is... cart at all times. All right. We got some black-eyed children coming your way. Black Eyed Children, also known as Black Eyed Kids, is an urban legend of paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of 6 and 16. Aww. These children, <laughs> you say aw now, they are pale skinned okay. and black eyes. Like black black. Black black. Okay. They have been reportedly seen hitchhiking, panhandling, or just right outside your door. Nope. A dozen stories keep circulating, all following a very similar pattern. Children with eyes completely blacked out will appear at your home or vehicles, knock on the door, and insist on going inside. Anyone who encounters them almost immediately felt an overwhelmed sense of dread. Uh, yeah. Especially when you notice the black eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would I think I would just feel dread if two children come knocking on my yeah, door. Yeah, nowadays that's just that's a big you know. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would like that at all. Beside blacked out eyes, these children typically appear to be normal. Sometimes they have outdated clothes and very rarely people have been told to see them with talon like feet. That's definitely weird. Yeah, I don't think I like that. Yeah, no. 
No one knows where or how the creatures popped up. Conspiracy theorists believe the black-eyed children are aliens trying to reach out to their Earth. Demonologists believe the children are that of the devil. And if you let them in, you're allowing the devil to enter your life. Oh, not today, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> they want to enter your home and call their parents. However, upon making eye contact, it has seemed to be just a, a ruse to get you to, to let them into your house. Don't knock on my door. Definitely not two children. I'm sorry. Not even around Halloween. It's just skip skip house. Some people claim that these children have existed since 1980s. However, most researchers say the legend originated in 1996 in a post written by a Texan reporter named Brian Bethel where he wrote two alleged encounters with the black-eyed children. Two encounters. Two of them. He himself or he himself somebody else wrote about them. Okay. Um, he said the encounters were that of two children in Abilene, Texas, with pale skin and black eyes. In 2012, Bethel retold his story on a TV show, Monsters and Mysteries in America. He then wrote an article for the news where he described his experience again. Are you ready to hear his story? I, I think I'm ready. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really thinking I want to look into that show, though. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So. I'm ready to be scared. One story starts like this. Alright. It is a snowy town in the middle of nowhere of Vermont. An elderly couple hears a sound of three loud knocks on their door. They open the door and saw two children, a boy and a girl. Aww. One of them says, My parents will be here soon. May we come in? The children did not make eye contact. They just stood at the doorway. The The middle of nowhere, Vermont. (laughs) In the snow. Two children. Mm, Okay. Okay. What is... So, Courage the Cowardly Dog. That was nowhere, (laughs) but what was the... Do you remember? I don't don't think it it was Vermont. That would have been too coincidental if it was in Vermont. And now we know where that was created. (laughs) I mean, elderly couple. Right, right. (laughs) The elderly couple were hesitant, but after a while, they let the boy and girl inside. Well, of course. It's cold. They're children. I mean... You, they you, have a they have skeptical, a heart. but I mean, in the end, it's children. The kids settle on a couch while the wife made some hot cocoa, and the husband asked them questions that went unanswered. The wife returned and noticed that <laughs> her cat was scared and very angry with the children. May we use your bathroom, please? The wife looked at the kids, and it's like she finally saw them. The children's eyes were black as the starless universe. She directed them to the bathroom and returned to her husband who covered his face with his hand. Did you see their eyes? The husband then showed her his hand full of blood from a nosebleed. The power suddenly went off. Nope. And the house turned as dark as the kid's eyes. Nope. The wife headed to the restroom and was confronted by the voice of, of the kids at the end of the hall uttering, Nope. The kids then exited the house, leaving the door wide open. The wife then noticed that there were two men at the end of the driveway. The men were very tall and slender. The wife waved, but did not receive the same friendly gesture. The two men and the children drove away together in one car. 
The power came back on a little later after the kids left. Throughout the next week, weird things kept happening in the house. Three of the four cats went missing, and the fourth one had been found dead in a pool of its own blood. The husband continued to have nosebleeds and finally went to the doctor where he was diagnosed with a very aggressive skin cancer. Jeez. Good they, lord. Yes. This legend even crossed bodies of water and landed in the Great Lake of the UK where in 2014 the Daily Star wrote three front page stories of sightings of the black eyed children in a haunted pub in Staffordshire. Ghost hunters who believed that the black eyed children were extraterrestrial. Vampires or ghosts took these alleged sightings very serious. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like they appeared out of absolutely nowhere. Yep. I mean, some people you've believe, never heard of them and then there they are. Some people believe that you can like manifest this type of stuff where if so many people believe in it, why would it not be real? Like right. you can make them become a thing because you believe so I mean that's like anything really like right. if you believe hard enough you believe you're sick you're gonna get sick right. because you absolutely. believe you're gonna be sick absolutely nowadays people still claim to see the black eyed kids while driving late at night on an empty road or outside of their windows late at night or even lurking in the shadows of the room Many people have reported seeing the black-eyed children standing in the corner of their room during an episode of sleep paralysis or even waking up in the middle of the night because they sensed someone watching them in the shadows. That was these children. Nope. So. Nope. Mm-mm. No way, Jose. These are allegedly true stories I'm about to tell you. Okay. I'm down. The first one is called Midnight Caller. It almost felt like a dream. I woke up to my dog, Lucy, barking. She was upright on the bed where my husband and I were sleeping with our 22-month-old daughter, staring at our room like an unknown stranger was out there rummaging around. I thought she was just freaking out over the house noises. We only had lived here for three months and she was still a puppy. It could have been anything, our roommate, the creaking of the house settling, just moving outside with the breeze. I wasn't too concerned initially. I decided the best bet would to be open the door and show her nothing was out there. It sounds a bit silly, but it's what we would do with our daughter when she gets scared, and I figured it should work on a puppy too. I opened the door and she raced to the front door. She stood there, snarling at the door. She was so angry, violently growling, one I've never heard her make before. I looked groggily at her and opened the baby gate blocking the doorway, planning to open the door and show her everything was okay. The second my hand reached for the deadbolt, Lucy went wild. She started barking and jumping towards me, and when I touched the metal, she suddenly changed. She whimpered, almost like she was afraid, and backed down. As her mannerism changed, so did mine. I wasn't calm anymore. My heart was racing and sinking at the same time. I had been flooded with a mixture of fear and dread. I looked through the peephole. I couldn't explain why I looked, but I did. Outside were two kids. One was just a smidgen shorter than me and didn't look much younger. I'm 21. She looked to be about 16 or 17. She was slender and pale. Her hair was a light shade of honey blonde and she wore it long, about the mid-back length, thin blunt bangs in the front to cover most of her eyes. She wore jeans, light wash that's popular right now, a thin looking olive colored pullover style hoodie and she held hands with a small girl around three or four. The same style of jeans with 
is a button-down ivory cardigan. The smaller one looked at the floor shyly and had the same shade of hair tied back in a ponytail. She held to a stuffed toy under her free arm and it was identical to the one my daughter has as was their style of dress. Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children to come in and give them some hot tea or hot cocoa. Just because it was bitterly cold, something about them seemed off. At this point, I hadn't made any noise. I didn't shudder. I hadn't shushed the dog or grumbled. Nothing. I hadn't turned on any light. These children had no indicators. I was at the door. The older one did speak up. She had a voice that was mature, confident, strong. She held her head tilted downwards and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, we have to use your phone. I stood frozen in fear. How did she know I was there? She raised her head to face me directly and that's when I saw her eyes. There was a reason I couldn't see them through the bangs before. They were black or midnight blue, maybe a very dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly. She said, our mother is worried. As someone who has always been interested in creepy stories, I knew what she was the second she looked at me through the door. I have never been one to believe in things. As a atheist and skeptic, when it comes to paranormal, I had written off many of the ghost stories, my friends and family members eagerly to tell their tale. I did not believe it. Still, I couldn't rationalize my way out of this. I was standing with nothing but a thin wooden door between me and a black-eyed kid. There was no questioning what was right in front of me. I did not answer her. Slowly and silently, I backed away from the door. Lucy, still cowering at my ankles, she kept talking. Just let us in to use your phone. I took another step back, and with that step, the tone changed. At first, she seemed polite. When I took a second step back, she became commanding, almost hostile. We're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have broken already. I'll ask again. May we come in and use your phone? Lucy snarled at the door and I inched backwards, though something inside me seemed to be slowly pulling me back to the door. It wasn't a physical pulling as much as a subconscious need to go back and let them in. I got to my room, covered my windows, locked the door, and sat there in dim light from the nightlight. I heard her call me back to the door once more and then quiet. I didn't go back to sleep that night. I haven't slept right since. I know from reading about them that the BEKs couldn't just come in without permission. I know they haven't hurt anyone, but I still fear I could have been an exception. When I told my husband, he said it was just a dream. He keeps telling me to forget it, but it's the lingering feeling of sadness, this dread when the house is silent at night and the fears of knocking at the door tells me otherwise. And that was a story by No Sleep 2012. Jeez. That would have terrified me so bad. Mm-hmm. So bad. You know it's like a game changer when they show you their eyes and that's when the whole facade is gone. Right, yes. And they mean business now. Like, seriously open your door. I mean, I would have been so terrified. This is Halloween. 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 One of our favorite times of year. woo this is so funny. I've never heard of the BEKs before my incident, so I came here to post my story for the first time, and the first story I see is about the black-eyed kid. Weird. Let me preface this is saying I by no means am a writer. Just a domestic engineer living in North Texas. Also, I don't believe in the paranormal. Ghosts, demons, aliens, whatever. However, 
I did have an event happen to me this Halloween and I have to admit it has me scratching my head. This is my first post and I'm sorry to say I've never even heard about the Black Eyed Kids until yesterday. I told my best friend about the incident and she told me if I didn't post it, she would. So here I am. It had been a slow trick-or-treat night at my neighborhood this evening which is pretty odd in itself. We usually have kids from different areas dropped off in ours and have a constant parade at our door. That night, I'd say we had no more than eight or 10 groups of kids come up the entire night. It was about 9.30 and my husband and I were sitting in our family room watching some show about ghosts based on supposedly actual events. Like I said, I don't believe in this stuff, but I do like a good ghost story now and then, and it was Halloween after all. We hadn't had any activity at the door in over half an hour and it was getting late, so we decided to turn the porch light off and let our dog Chloe out of her crate. Chloe is an American bulldog and is very docile. We only put her in the crate because we're afraid she'll try to go out and play with the kids. I didn't want to have to go chasing after her down the street. Also, we didn't want her to scare any of the kids because she would look a little intimidating to the younger kids. So I turned the outside light off and let Chloe out. She followed me back to the couch and lay down at my feet. It was getting late, about 10 p.m. when my husband decided that he had enough fun for one night and was going upstairs to take a shower and get ready for bed. After all, it was Thursday and he still had to get up early the next day. My teenage son was out with his friends at a local haunted house and wasn't expected back for another hour or so. That left me all alone on the couch with Chloe. Now just because I don't believe doesn't mean those shows don't freak me out a bit. And being home alone now watching, I have to say it kind of put me on edge as it were. It wasn't long after I heard upstairs water from the shower turn on when there came a light on the front door. My initial reaction was, what the heck was going on? It's almost 10, go home. But our doorbell glows and in the dark and without the porch light, it became extra obvious to anyone that it's there. I paused, I couldn't really just ignore it. Our front door has a big glass panel and anyone right at the door can see just enough inside to tell that someone was in the family room watching TV. It would be pretty rude of me just to sit there and not answer it again at the door. I glanced down at Chloe and she's gone. My gaze followed her usual path to the front door expecting her to be right there as she normally does. She wasn't there. I slowly looked around the room better and found her crouching at the back door like she wanted out. However, she never asked to go out like this. She always comes to lick my hand or put her hand on my knees. This was totally out of character for her. I had to say it heightened my anxiety. Chloe, crate, I said. She just turned back and looked at me. Heck no, lady, I ain't moving. I yelled up at my husband, but he is already in the shower. I knew there was no chance of him hearing me. About this time, a car drove down our street and cast enough light at the door where I was to see the silhouette of two small children through the glass. I instantly felt relief. It was just some kids, probably a couple of my neighbors, on their way back to their home who just wanted to stop by and show me their costume or something. I headed to the door and looked back to make sure Chloe wasn't going to follow. What a great watchdog, I thought to myself as she just sat there. 
I turned the porch light on and when I got to the door, sure enough, I could see through the glass. It was a couple of pretty small kids. A little late at night for such young ones, I thought. I began to wonder about what kind of parent would let their kids run these streets that late at night. I only opened the door enough to where I could block Chloe's escape if she decided to grow some balls, which was only about two feet. What struck me immediately as odd was the kids weren't wearing any costume. They were the normal street clothes. Also, no customary trick-or-treat either. I began to feel very uneasy again. It was a girl and boy. The girl to my left was older. I would say probably 11 or 12. I could tell she was a blonde, but I couldn't make out any distinct figures as our lights are from high above and on columns in front of the porch, so many of the light was coming from behind them. I had not opened the door wide enough for any of the light on the inside to hit them directly. The boy was younger and a foot shorter, I would say probably eight or nine, and looked to have light brown hair. The goer very politely spoke to me. Ma'am, can we please come inside to use your phone to call our mom? As she spoke, something in the pit of my stomach was telling me that it, it was wrong. Something was off. What kid, even at that age, doesn't have a cell phone of their own these days? I couldn't remember the last time I asked anyone to use their home phone. Um, hun, don't you have a phone of your own you could call your mom on? I asked. This is when things got really weird. Both kids turned to look at one another like they were going to say something to the other one, but neither of them spoke. They both turned back to me and the girl says, Ma'am, my cell phone battery does not have any charge left on it. Can we please come inside to call our mother? We're alone out here and my brother is scared. I have to admit, there were two competing feelings going on inside of me. The first one, that of course a mother's heart that wants to help these two small children get to their mom. The other is a sinking fear in my gut that was keeping the other feelings at bay. It was then when I noticed that during this short conversation, I'd already opened the door a couple of extra inches, which I was completely unaware of doing. I stopped. Honey, why don't you give me your mom? mom's number and I can call her myself. Another pause. They look at each other. After a short moment, they turn back to me and the girl says, ma'am, my little brother has to use your bathroom. Can we please come inside while you call her mom? And with that last statement, the little girl moved closer to the door like she was going to just walk in on me. As she did, she stepped into the light coming from the inside of the house and I got my first real good look at her solid jet black eyes. That's all I could see. That motherly instinct was gone and replaced with terror I don't think I've ever felt in my life. I could feel every hair on my arms and the back of my neck standing at attention. I closed the door where just my face was able to stick out. The little girl stopped again and pleaded, please ma'am, we're really scared and alone out here. We have to come inside. Please help us. Then, like a cue, both kids started whimpering and crying. That's when the fear took over and I shut the and locked the door. I'll call your mom if you give me the number. I shouted through the door, but I'm not letting you in my house. I could still see them standing on the porch just staring at me through the glass. Part of me wanted to run upstairs to my husband, but a bigger part of me didn't want to lose track of where they were and it freaked me out even more not knowing where they are. Mm -hmm. After what seems like forever, but probably only a few seconds, I decided to call my neighbor who lives across the street. 
As I made my way to the side table by our couch to the phone, I glanced at the back door. Chloe was nowhere to be found. We later found her in the guest room under the bed. When I got to my phone and started to look for his contact information, it was only then the kid stepped away from the door and began to walk down the street. As I did, I walked to the door and got a better look to see where they went, still not calling my neighbor. If you get close enough to the glass, you could see out enough to make out a person's shape. Can't but you see can't much. see much detail. Of course, standing that close to the door, you would make it pretty obvious to anyone that you're looking outside. From the door, I could see the kids were still standing under the street lamp near my house staring at me. As I lifted the phone to my ear after calling, only then did the kids start walking down the street. I met my neighbor out under that lamp once he was out there, but the kids were nowhere to be seen. Like I said, I didn't believe in any of this stuff and had never even heard anything about the black-eyed kids before talking to my friend, but I really think, what I have to think, is these kids were just out yanking people's chains on Halloween night, but I will say this for them, they were really good, really good. They scared the S out of me and my dog, and that's by Sarah Beth Eleven. You know, from that story and the one before, it always seems there's a pair, and it's a boy and a girl, yep. and the girl's older. Sometimes it's like you can have two guys some is like two ladies but yeah it's always an older usually like an older and a younger one it's yeah it's mm -mm. that's just way creepy way way creepy so if two kids knock on your door car <laughs> don't you, answer you can in good judgment say that you're not just today, you're just protecting yourself from the black eyed kids it's not because you don't have a heart or you're just an awful person who don't want to doesn't want to deal with kids that is ooh nope mm -mm, nope Ugh. that's spooky it is it is all right well it was definitely interesting definitely don't want any children knocking at my doors um, especially if they got black eyes. Kind of scared to walk out your door now. <laughs> Just saying. Good for us. They would be knocking at that door down there, but. <laughs> so now let's go from black eyed kids that scare the pants off me. Um, it's got a Bigfoot. You know, commonly known as Sasquatch. An ape-like creature set to live in the forest of North America. A prominent subject in Canadian and American folklore and other countries because... I just read a report from Austria, I believe, like four days ago, just had a sighting. So I, I'm going to say, you know, the the source that I was looking at said Canadian and American folklore, but this is, this is like worldwide and it's known by different names in different places, but it's out there. So evidence of the existence of Bigfoot <laughs> includes, you know, you have quite a few visual observations. But you also have some disputed video and audio recordings. We have photographs, though I don't think they're always very clear. Photos or videos. Cast of large footprints. But some are, you know, speculated and some are known to be hoaxes. The history of Bigfoot is, you know, many indigenous cultures across North America tell stories about Bigfoot. Here's where it gets kind of questionable for me. Iffy. Yeah. Because these legends and these cultures, uh, especially the indigenous people, you know, everybody passed down stories at one time 
by word of mouth. It wasn't written down. It wasn't documented anyway back then. But there's legends long before there was even a name for this thing. Long before we called it, you know, Bigfoot. Stories differ in details both regionally and between families in the same community. So it differs... From person to person. You might see something and you see something different, but it's kind of the same. There are petrographs created by a group of Yokuts, and I apologize if I say that wrong. And it's at a site called Painted Rock, and there are some alleged petrographs that depict a group of Bigfoots called the family. So, I mean, you're talking a long time ago. Um, local tribes people call the largest the hairy man, and they estimate between 500 and 1,000 years old. So, I mean, this is a long time. In the area, or in our region of Mississippi, it's now Mississippi, a French priest was living with the Natchez people in 1721, and he reported stories of the hairy creature of the woods that was known to scream loudly and steal livestock. This ain't no herbivore here. This is like, this is hungry man. Ecologist Robert Pyle, he argues that most cultures have accounts of a human-like giant in their history, in their folklore and all that. There seems to be a need for some larger-than-life creature. It's got to be, if it's in the folklore that's passed down from generation to generation to generation, going back as far as 1721, you know, that's the first date on here. There's got to be something there that, yeah, it's, it's rare enough not everybody sees. It says each language has its own name for the creature. Many names mean something along the lines of a wild man or a hairy man. Imagine that is just your description. Hairy man. Right, hairy man. But there was a chief that told, in British Columbia, that told a story to Charles Hill Tout in 1898, and he named the creature by a, and I'm sure I'm going to mess this up, Cilician variant, meaning the benign-faced one. (laughs) And I mean, you, okay, so we have... So many, so many reports of different variations of Bigfoot, the hairy one, the benign-faced one, the whatever, the eight men. U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt, in his 1893 book, The Wilderness Hunter, writes a story he was told by an elderly mountain man telling about a foul-smelling bipedal creature that ransacked his beaver trapping camp, stalked him, and later became hostile when it fatally broke his companion's neck. So this trapper appeared so fearful that President Theodore felt the need to to write this story in his book. So, I mean, it's there. You know, there, there's a history of it. You can go to 1958. A logging company bulldozer operator discovered a set of large footprints. He informed his co-workers. Many claimed they had saw similar tracks in the job site. They were telling of odd incidents where, you know, an oil drum weighing about 450 pounds has been moved around the site not just anybody can move a 450 pound oil drum i'm sorry it's just not 
not possible. They thought somebody was playing a prank on them, but because of the amount of footprints that were larger than theirs and the movement of this old drum, they began to think Bigfoot. And I think that's where we really start using the name Bigfoot an awful lot. One third of all claims of Bigfoot sightings are located in the Pacific Northwest. The rest kind of spread throughout North America. Prominently, they're in Washington, Oregon, Northern California, British Columbia, the Great Lakes region, and southeastern United States. There is a database that collect all this information, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Um, it began... I don't know when it began, I apologize. In 2019, Washington had over 2,000 reported sightings. The debate over the legitimacy of Bigfoot sightings reached a peak in the 70s. A Bigfoot has been regarded as the first widely popularized example of pseudoscience in American culture. I don't know if it's pseudoscience, if it's false science. I don't know if it's true, if it's not true. There's a lot of people that have seen it. I believe there's a lot of credible people that have seen it. I believe for it to be going so far back in in our history that there's something there. Now I'm going to go into some of the behaviors of Bigfoot. So researchers, they claim that Bigfoot throws rocks at as a territorial display to communicate. Some say they knock on wood trying to communicate. Then you have, you know, your skeptics to say those are easily hoaxed, which I agree with. It can be easily, easily hoaxed. I mean, structures of broken and twisted foliage seemingly placed in specific areas have been attributed to some Bigfoot behavior. Lodgepole, pine, and other small trees have been observed bent, uprooted, stacked in patterns such as weaved and crisscrossing, leading to theories that territorial markings by Bigfoot. Some instances include the entire deer skeleton high in trees. How do you think that would happen? I don't know, but an entire skeleton system. Because it's not like they're going to leap up there. Right. They're, it's not going to leap up there. And unless it's put up there fresh, how is it going to stay up there? Because skeletons, unless you kind of pin them together, are fragile. They're going to, like, the joints don't have the stuff in them anymore to hold them together so i don't know that one that one's a little spooky but then you have it says a team of amateur bigfoot researchers called the olympic project has claimed to discover some collection of nests that they've had primatology study them they appear to be created by a primate if it's a large enough nest that's pretty cool. Many sightings are reported to occur at night, so there may be some nocturnal tendencies there with Bigfoot. The problem with that is apes, uh, like ha humans, are, they sleep at night. They're not really yeah. nocturnal. So I, I think that's it's a little iffy for me. They also have been known to vocalize. U.S. Navy cryptologic linguist has analyzed recordings from the 70s and he says it's definitely a language. It's not a human origin and it could not have been fake. So there's something there. We have a story from 1924 
and it presents miners being attacked by large hairy ape men that threw rocks into their cabin roof from a nearby cliff after one of the miners allegedly shot one with a rifle. That is territorial behavior. You attacked me first, so, so I'm, I'm going to attack you, you and you're going to leave my area. In Folk, Arkansas in 71, a family reported a large hair-covered creature startling a woman after reaching through her window. So I'm going to go through these explanations, some of the proposed explanations, and then I'm going to tell you the good stuff, the good part. <laughs> so a lot of explanations have been maybe a black bear. Mm-hmm. They could get big. They have big feet, but they, they don't and look human. They, and it, but if they walk on two legs, you could, if you do a, like a quick glance. Right. You could mistake that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think with the black bears, that would explain more of the younger Bigfoot. The really big ones, I, it, it's bigger than a black bear would stand on its hind leg. But I think some of the, maybe the younger ones people see, they call them juvenile some of the proposed sightings are people simply observing and misidentified known great apes such as chimpanzees, gorilla, and orangutan that have escaped captivity. I don't know that we've really had any that haven't been told to us because I think if uh, the private owners, maybe not, because I think now you have to have a license. So if they had one escape, maybe they wouldn't say anything. But zoos and circuses, I would think they'd want to get their great apes yeah. back. And they also said that they think some humans have been mistaken for Bigfoot. And this goes back to a case in 2013 where a 21-year-old man was arrested after he told law enforcement he accidentally shot his friend in the back while they were looking for Bigfoot. So watch your Um, back, literally. Yeah, exactly. And then you have pareidolia, which is where we have a tendency to make human faces out of a mess. A group of leaves can turn into a human-like face or a figure. They're saying that with poor quality pictures or if it's getting dark and you're looking out into the woods or something, this shape, it could be pareidolia, which causes you to see Bigfoots. And then, you know, your others are your hoaxes. So now I've got a news report from the 18th. It, well, it was posted on here. It's from October of this year. Let's go to Kentucky. You want to go to Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky. So we have Searching for Bigfoot. Kentuckians share close encounter and the mission to find Bigfoot. And this is from Spectrum News 1, Northern Kentucky. By, it looks like Katie Patel published October 27th, 2021, Clay City, Kentucky. They've come close, real close. Some call him the Kentucky Yeti. But each sighting of Bigfoot disappeared into the thick woods of eastern Kentucky or even the western or central parts of the the state. Even now, more than three decades of searching continues with the Kentucky Bigfoot Research Organization. They venture into the forest on expeditions dedicated to locate the mythical creature Bigfoot. More than just a grunt. Now, I did hear a kind of sound first, and that was the first thing it did, said Rodney Adams. He's describing his close call sighting of Bigfoot. I actually thought, honestly, it was people messing with me, so it threw a stick. I picked it up and threw it back. But when I did that, it let out a blood-curdling yell. I mean, it was loud. 
Adam said he and a couple of friends decided to spend the night at Red River Gorge in the woods during a weekend in June of 2004. It was at that time, he says, the sound became so loud that it made his hair blow back while they were setting up their tents. And about the time we started to make food and stuff before it got dark, that's when objects started coming in. The first one goes right over my head into the creek. Well, I mean, it started was for minutes. I don't think at all. What? <laughs> I'm not real sure. He just rolled off the hill, you know. That's kind of blew it off, Adam said. Fifteen minutes later, he said another object hit the ground, rolling up to his feet. You could tell it had been pulled out of the ground. It was had mud on the bottom and kind of a mossy top, so I knew that it had been broken. He got annoyed, thinking some people were playing a prank on his group. Quit messing with us, this ain't funny. It did not stop. Didn't reply back at that time, but about ten minutes later, that's when we heard that big, low growl, and something ran down the hill. I actually couldn't see it, because it was already getting pretty dark. Through the thick woods, he tried to make out the sounds. It sounded like I wouldn't compare like a bull running into a bunch of sapling trees. You could hear them breaking and snap, but in the footfalls are super heavy boom, 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 boom. And it gets probably, I'd like, I would say maybe 40 to 50 feet away and makes a big, huge sound and stops. But does it come any closer? But we couldn't see what it was. It was still behind the brush. I tried to hit it with a flashlight. I couldn't see anything at all. But I knew something was there, Adam said. He isn't the only ones to spot something spooky in the woods. Never did come at us, but whatever it was didn't want us there, says Charles Chuck Gray. He's a former law enforcement officer and recalls two incidents. It's about two foot taller than me. Not extremely huge, but real broad shoulders. Dark fur. I don't know what color it was because it was dark in the woods. But he's either a dark brown or a black fur. Said. Along with Lexington native James Wilcox, who shared this encounter, I could just see a silhouette more or less solid black. A little bit around, about an arm, you know, swing to it. Once it's also it, like an arm's distance. Right. Once it got behind the second tree, I never saw it again, Wilcox said. Whether you believe in it or not, these are witness testimonies all in Kentucky, documented by self-identified investigator Charlie Raymond. We go around looking for Bigfoot. We spread the word. We try to interview witnesses whenever we can. He founded the Kentucky Bigfoot Research Organization. I think there's a passion there a lot of us have in discovering this species as living. Living among us, Raymond said. Raymond believes there's a lot of evidence, but there's no body yet. To me, Bigfoot is a relic hominid that has got, not gone extinct. Now, Bigfoot is not a missing link. I don't want to. Some people think that Bigfoot is just another hominid that has not gone extinct, Raymond said. His <laughs> Some of this does not make <laughs> sense. I'm sorry. His hope is to preserve and file bills that help protect Bigfoot. He travels the state, presenting casts replicated by a fellow Bigfoot tracker, Tom Shea. Tracks that Raymond and his team have chased for years, documenting almost 400 potential sightings of Bigfoot. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. These other tracks are just historic ones from Washington State and Oregon, which we all know that Bigfoot lives there, but Bigfoot lives here in Kentucky, too. A chase of the Sasquatch that remains ongoing to this day in the thick woods of Kentucky. I still go looking for it everywhere I go. Even when I'm working, I can't keep my eyes off the wood. If I drive past a place that looks like this, I'll stop and eat my lunch in it and get out and walk the trail. My last thing is... You know, the Freedom of Information Act, right? No. Well, there is. A F the, the FBI released. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. The freedom yeah. of the Bigfoot pile. Oh, my gosh. And it is really hard to read, so I'm not even going to try to read it. It we'll, is we'll link it in our um, in our bio. Or bio yeah, we'll or do something. all that okay. stuff. It is really hard to read. I'm only trying to read it on my iPhone, so I mean, if you have a computer, it might be a little easier. Even if you had like a bigger tablet or something, it might be easier. I know from what I have tried to read, it's between somebody who has sent the information or sent the FBI fifteen hairs. And okay. it has a piece of skin to it. Ooh. And it has it wasn't able to be identified by their people. And I don't know how old it is. Again, this is really hard for me to read. I mean, if you look. Yeah. I mean, it's it, and it's like it's chopped, you know. They edit some mm-hmm. stuff. It's a laboratory inquiry. I, I know that. But they, they want, and this is from 1976, too. Okay. So they're wanting, they're sending this stuff to the FBI. 15 hairs that have skin. And they're wanting them to run tests on it. There's 22 pages here. I don't know in here if it got tested. There we go. I couldn't think of the word. I'm struggling here. But I mean, I know like on this last page, there is one little piece here that has been redacted. Which means it's been cut out. Yeah. You, You see that little square right there. Yeah. That, that, that's been cut out. So I don't know. I mean, it shows you some diagrams, how long the hairs are, but I can't, I'm going to have to get on my laptop with this and see if I can read any of it. That's, that's my thing with Bigfoot. I was going to go through and, and really try to get some Bigfoot stories. Which, I mean, when in doubt, that could be like a Halloween. We just do updates of that type of stuff. Because right. Because I feel like Bigfoot, let's, uh, there's some pretty gnarly stories about Bigfoot. But I, yeah, to me, it's one of those possibilities. There's no, no good, no bad. It's just a possibility, you know? It's interesting. That's all I got. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening. Yes, I hope you thank you for listening to me ramble. Hope yeah. to have you listen next week. Yeah. I won't see you. If you want to contact us at all, you can email us at conspiratypod at gmail.com. You could tell us stories you want to hear or tell us your story. And maybe you can hear us do it some justice. I don't know. We'll get better as it goes. Yep, we're learning. You can find us on social media. where you can. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can message us there too. I won't guarantee we'll get back to you, but we'll try. We will try to get back to you. No nasty messages. They'll just be removed. If you don't like it, just stop listening. Yep, it's that don't easy. Listen, but otherwise, but, I'm having fun. You yeah. having fun? I'm, I'm doing this with my mom because we like it. So That's right. you don't have to listen. That's right. <laughs> but if you do listen, we appreciate it. Yes, well, um, thank you very much. Maybe 20 episodes from now, you can just go back from episode one and just listen to us slowly get improve. better and improve. Our reading skills, our literacy <laughs> skills. <laughs> Editing, mics, all, all yeah, that, that's right. All that jazz. That's right. Less squeaky chairs. Yeah. I've been squeaking up a storm over here. Me too. That's why I was like, I'm gonna give my this chair. I hate it. <laughs> See how she does her mind, y'all. Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope to hear you or hope you hear us next week. See Get, you guys later. Get DJ to do us an outro. Mm-hmm.